but uh, but for some reason he was shirtless at the opening. I mean, and closing. He, that's I guess his dress, and that's yeah. I mean, a statement. if I look like that and that was my culture, I would not wear a shirt ever. So <laughs> I get you. Steve and we don't know what we're doing that's right each week we pick a different topic and try to figure it out and this week we don't know the winter olympics that's right uh just finished up this uh this weekend after two weeks of running and uh i, I gotta it, say i'm kind of sad wouldn't it be of skiing ha ha yes of skiing bobsledding bobsledding the sliding week. yes but yeah i'm kind of sad it's over I, I like watching these things. You didn't even watch it. Whatever. I watched hours of bobsledding and luge. Oh, okay. Yeah. Allegedly. I know I know you don't like watching it, though. What are you talking about? Every time I turn on bobsled, you're like, ah. And then you like text in all of our friends like, Steve's making me watch Olympics. Well, I didn't know what was happening. It's TV like we do every night. <laughs> well, I didn't Not know. Not that confusing. Like, Same oh, big screen on the wall. Was it like qualifying? Was this the finals? Like, I didn't know what that was happening. We watched pretty much all of it uh, when it comes to bobsledding. Oh. Two men and two women. We watched pretty much all of it. Um, yeah, so uh, the games this year were in Pyeongchang, uh, South Korea. And uh, kind of a big deal because it's... When, cold. Well, well, yes, cold. <laughs> you can vouch for that because you lived there for a couple years. A year and a half. Yeah. I but don't it, know if I went there, but wherever I went, Pyeongchang. it was very cold. Yeah, yeah. Because you said Korea is pretty mountainous, right? Yes. Which I didn't really, I guess I didn't really think about, but I didn't know that. Um, and weren't you saying it's like pretty close to the DMZ, this area? I mean, it's not a really big country. So, okay. I mean, it wasn't, I'm sure that wasn't very far away. That's true. Me. Yeah, I guess in reality, Korea is kind of a small country. But um, anyways, uh, I guess the games, uh, they felt more hyped up this year to me than previous years and why do you think that is i don't know i feel like there were just a lot of ads like nbc in particular just went like all out with the advertising this year hmm. it felt like i don't know they had a big campaign and um i feel like the rebrand you know every every uh, olympics the the host city always rebrands it and mm -hmm. i felt like even the branding for pyeongchang got a lot of play this year in the design community and what was the mascot there were two actually this year Ooh, there was a uh, the main one was uh, – oh, crap. Now I'm going to get them backwards. I think the main one was the tiger. Hmm. And then there was another one, which was like a little bear. Ah, okay. I think the main one was the tiger, though. What yeah. what con what made it the main one? Well, because technically there's only like one mascot for the games. Mm -hmm. But I guess there's also – they were using this other bear thing to like promote other stuff. Is it like Duffy? No, it's a cute little bear. <laughs> you don't think Duffy's cute? Uh, we're not going there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Duffy's this – Stupid bear from Tokyo Disney. Steve I hates stuff. Don't like it. But our friend Todd loves it. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I guess let's kick this off by just kind of talking about, uh, you know, we just said it felt hyped, but let's talk about was it? Like, how did it go over? So I looked up the viewership for this thing, and uh, yeah, turns out the U.S. really loves the Olympics. Uh, <laughs> even on just opening night, the first, the first night of competition, which was the first Saturday. Mm-hmm. 
Just under 24 million viewers watched it on TV or online, according to NBC. Wow. 24 million. And, like, in comparison, uh, like, all the other shows on the primetime networks that night Mm -hmm. were, like, a combined total of, like, 8 or 9 million. Oh, wow. It's funny, because I was going to ask you if you had that, like, correlation. Yeah. So, I mean, it just blows it out of the water. And, I mean, what did we say... What did we say uh, last week? It's like the Super Bowls. I forget how many million we talked about, but uh, gajillion. Yeah, that's a lot. But still, this is really high. So hmm. sports are king in TV. Um, Do you but, think it, it goes along the same thing where it's like the competition and the yeah, I think or the so. rooting for America? Yeah, I think it's the competition, and I think it's also just Olympics in particular are a different flavor of sport than we're used to, you know, in in the U.S. So. You get all these uh, unusual things, which we're going to talk about some of them for for winter. But I think same thing in summer, too. Like, how often do we really see, um, you know, like swimming and running as competition on on TV in the U.S.? So That's true. But in the end, I think it's the the rooting for a country. You know, Mm -hmm. the U.S. in particular is such a diverse uh, country. People Mm -hmm. come from everywhere. And it's cool to just be able to root for countries that you either like or that are your your heritage. Totally. Yeah. so it's interesting, even though there were 24 million viewers that first night, uh, kind of in contrast with in person, uh, I noticed watching a lot of the coverage, there was a lot of empty stands. And uh, I guess so. I guess South Korea said that they were at 80% of ticket sales right before the games began, which is pretty good mm-hmm. for a big event like that. But that uh, in reality, people just didn't show up that much. So even though they had a lot of ticket sales, a lot of the people that bought tickets didn't show up huh. for one reason or another. Oh, you didn't like find out why? Um, they were talking about there could be a lot of reasons. There wasn't one direct answer. It mm-hmm. could have been like the weather because they yeah. had unusually windy weather, which deterred a lot of the sports as well. But mm. uh, but athletes were remarking on it uh, during competition and during broadcast, saying that like, oh, the stands are like less than half empty or like <laughs> half full. So, uh, but some athletes liked it. They felt said it felt like less pressure. So it's uh-huh. kind of interesting to to kind of see on that. I think I read or heard something about the the winds that come down mm-hmm. are winds from Siberia. Yeah, and so they're real cold. Yeah, and it was really screwing up a lot of the athletes on the slopes, like particularly for skiing. I think mm. when they would uh, do their jumps, yeah, it just blows them away. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just like different. Even if you're doing slalom or whatever, it's you know headwind can really screw you up. Mm-hmm. Um, so unfortunately, the U.S. didn't do that well this year. <laughs> We placed fourth total uh, as far as a medal count behind uh, Norway, Germany, and Canada. So even so, we got 23 medals total, and nine of those were gold. So, I mean, nothing to shake a stick at. No, that's pretty good. Yeah, I think so. You want to go for the gold. For real. You're a rock star. Get your (laughs) game on. But uh, Go play. (laughs) God. But this was our country's lowest placement since uh, Nagano in 1998. (laughs) So... It's interesting because I was looking up um, what do we traditionally do well at in the Winter Olympics. Mm -hmm. And uh, the U.S., I guess, has for a long time was kind of meh at this kind of stuff until these like extreme sports started coming in, like the snowboarding and all that. Mm -hmm. And then we started doing really, really well. So that was like throughout the 90s. Um, But then, yeah, I don't know. And then I guess back in 2010... Uh, we set a record for 37 medals, uh, uh, which was the most by like any country in the games. Wow. Yeah, Norway broke that this year with 38. So were they the top? They were the top this year. Norway oh, okay. with 38. Um, 
kind of interesting though. Only we only got twenty three medals, and we sent two hundred and forty two athletes from the U.S. Kind of crazy. So when say like a bobsled team of two, mm-hmm. if they win gold in their event, yeah, do that. Does that count as two medals that we won, or just one for that event? I think it's just one for that event, even though each individual athlete gets a medal okay. on the team. If it's a team event, then it just the team counts. Okay. So, for example, um, I I'm not going to go through the whole list of what we won here, but like we did well in curling, which is a team sport. So we <laughs> won the gold. The men's uh, U.S. men's team won for curling, and that's one medal count. So it's not one for each member of the team, even though each member of the team gets a medal. Would you say that they swept the event? Oh God. <laughs> That was just <laughs> terrible. That was just terrible. It was too late for these terrible jokes. Where's Ashley? Um, so, yeah, so we did well in curling. Um, we did well in snowboarding, both half pipe and slope style. We did well in alpine skiing, um, ice hockey. The women's team won in ice hockey, freestyle skating, or skiing, excuse me, uh, in the half pipe, and then cross country skiing. Those are the ones we won gold in. Cool. But, you know, kind of regardless of the gold, the gold medal count and, you know, medal count in general, like, I think the Olympics are just awesome. It's really cool to see everybody coming together. I love the sort of, you know, um, spot packages that they do on some of the athletes. So you can see their background and how they train. I just mm-hmm. think it's really, really cool. It's very different than our usual U.S. Uh, sports stuff. So I love watching this. Stuff. The world coming together. Yeah. Not really to fight, mm-hmm. but to compete. And- yeah. Yeah. Interesting enough, I didn't watch that much of the opening ceremony. Did you watch any of it? No. No? I scrubbed through a little bit of it. I did see everybody uh, gawking at the guy from Tonga, though, that was, like, shirtless for some reason. Yeah, he was at the Rio Olympics competing shirtless. Well, you know, in the opening shirtless. And then in this one, in the Winter Olympics, he's doing the cross-country skiing. So that's why. Shirtless? I mean, probably not. Probably not. But uh, but for some reason, he was shirtless at the opening I mean, and closing. He, that's, I guess, his dress. And that's yeah. I mean, a statement. if I look like that and that was my culture, I would not wear a shirt ever. So <laughs> I get you. So speaking of culture, I think you looked up the history of the Olympics. I attempted to. All right. So throw it at me. All right. So I was, my question was, why are there a Winter Olympics? Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't there just like one big Olympic thing mm-hmm. that everybody can compete in. Yeah. So what I found was that when modern Olympics began, uh, the organizers wanted winter sports as well, but they couldn't like <laughs> agree on uh, like where the venue would be or the events. Oh. So there were a bunch of dis- disagreements about that. Meanwhile, Sweden held Nordic Games every four years since 1901, which were organized winter games. Um, okay. Okay. So those Scandinavians weren't too keen on the Olympics because they felt that it was uh, keeping out amateurs that were, you know, um, competing okay. in the events. Uh, but as a compromise, the International Olympic Committee created the International Winter Sports Week so to entice the Scandinavians to attend. And they agreed that it would not be called Olympics. So in 1921, the International Olympic Committee, um, they set up a Winter Sports Week in January of 1924. Okay. In Chamonix, France. I know I butchered that. But. Okay. Chamonix. Okay. Sure. Uh, uh, <laughs> so this event brought in 10,004 people. That's uh, a very specific number. They were very specific. Where I, I like, I saw multiple websites that said the 10,004 paying spectators. 
paying spectators. And the Olympic Committee like considered it a success. A success. Um, there were 258 athletes that participated. Uh, there were 16 countries, and there were 16 events that they participated in. Okay. Uh, so this is in the 20th? Yeah, 1924. Okay. Um, so they had the usual events that we think of now, uh, the cross-country skiing, the speed skating, ice hockey, and bobsleigh competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ran for 11 days. And uh, according to the official Olympic website, it was recognized as the first Winter Olympics in 1926. So years later, they decided that it was going to be the Olympics. Okay. The so let me, let me back this up and make sure I get this. Yeah. So there's a bunch of these Scandinavian countries. They're like, yeah, that's cool and all, but we don't want to do the Olympics. So the Olympic Committee sets up this thing, and they're like, cool, let's do this, but n- it's not the Olympics. And then all those countries are like, yeah, cool, let's do that. And then they do it. And they everybody has fun, and then years later they're like, "Oh wait, that was the Olympics." Yeah, and then they uh, <laughs> retroactively retroactively gave uh, Olympic medals to the winners. Oh my god, <laughs> this is confusing, right? Yes. <laughs> Good lord. Okay. Shady. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of the quick, brief history that I found. Cool. So we've just been doing it since then. Yeah. So basically, it's just they couldn't agree on how to get the winter stuff kind of wrapped up in there when they started doing the summer games yeah so I mean, it just took a few more years to get everything going also like it would be difficult because you can't really have like summer games summer and winter at the same, time. At the same time yeah Whereas, makes sense yeah that's weird yeah but Anyways. it took them a long time because there's been way more modern summer games than winter oh yeah yeah definitely huh you know what's always interesting to me is the the actual sports that are in the olympics i mean they, they kind of change over time, and the same thing happens in summer. But I think in particular in the winter ones, it feels like lately, over the past, I don't know, 10 years or so, there's a lot of sports that just feel super foreign to U.S. audiences. Like which ones? Well, like curling, you know. I mean, which I we mean, won golden. Yeah, we won golden. <laughs> and, I, I mean, everybody seemed to be talking about curling this year. But 10 years ago, I don't think I'd ever even heard of it. Do you think that's like hipster toast? Everybody's talking about hipster toast? No, I think it's just, you know, some of these get added, you know, the sports get added and then sometimes they're taken away and then added back over the years. So I think it's just when a game gets added, it puts more international attention on it. And that's kind of what I was reading about some of these other ones that we'll talk about too is the basically the same thing happened is they are kind of sports that were happening in a lot of other countries, but once they get added to the Olympics, it puts international attention on it. And then other countries are like, oh, that sounds cool. I'm going to try that. Hmm. Yeah. So some of the other ones, um, like my favorite sports uh, in Winter Olympics are all the the sliding sports, as they're called. So the uh, skeleton, the luge, and the bobsleigh. So those are my favorite. But all of those kind of are a little bit foreign, if you will, to the U.S. I mean, we didn't start doing these till way later. Um but it turns out, as I was looking it up about these, that each of these sports were all invented by the same person. What? Yes. So back in the late 1800s, uh, a gentleman by the name Caspar uh, Badrut, um, who was this gentleman who lived in Switzerland, and he was he, very bored. Well, kind of, actually. <laughs> so he owned this resort, and it was really popular in the summer. But then winter would come around and the guests wouldn't stay because in Switzerland, it goes from this beautiful summer with these wonderful meadows and these you know beautiful Swiss Alps behind you. Mm-hmm. And then it gets to winter and it's just snow, snow, snow. 
So he was really irritated that people weren't staying for the snow. So he's trying to figure out ways to like boost tourism, to entice guests to stay at this resort. Mm -hmm. So he started coming up with different activities. And so one of the things that ended up being popular was uh, English tourists would come in and they'd use little like uh, sleds that you had like when you were a kid, like Mm -hmm. a boy's sled, they called it. And they were kind of racing them down the streets of the the town where his his, uh, resort was. Mm -hmm. And the tourists loved it and they did it for years, but the townspeople hated it because it was dangerous. These guys would come in and they'd race and they'd crash into townspeople because oh, no. it was in the streets. Yeah. Because it wasn't set up for this. So, um, Kasparv, he, you know, as a good businessman that he is, he understands like, oh, this is a thing that people like. This is working. What else can we do? So, he ends up uh, building an ice track for this. So, this was a, the first one in the area was called a Cresta run. And so it turns out there's two different kinds of tracks. Uh, well, actually a few different kinds, but there's sort of two different types of tracks when it comes to this mod- modern day sliding things. Mm-hmm. There's natural ice and then there's the artificial ones. So the artificial ones are like what you see in most Olympic games now. They're actually big, giant concrete slides and they're covered with ice on top. Mm-hmm. And that's how they get these like crazy speeds and bank turns and stuff. Uh-huh. There's also these natural ones, which are basically real roads and towns and things. Mm-hmm. And then they're just real ice is applied to them to make these runs. How do they add ice? Because it's in the they mountains add, like, and they water? just add water and build oh, it okay. up. So, so the natty ice ones are, they make it. Yeah. And they're more like flat bottom instead of like these rounded sides like we see on the super oh, high speed. Interesting. So anyways, this guy he makes uh he makes his first run in the town and then starts like inventing these sports to go down and and compete. And it's crazy to think about because I mean these things are kind of dangerous. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh I mean, so so let's talk about some of this stuff. So skeleton is sort of the first one that they were doing and this is where Athletes basically ride face first or face down head first on a little sled going down this track. That's crazy. It is super crazy. Just think about that first of all. Yeah. Um, and to, to set this up in all of these sports, they go up to 80 miles an hour and uh, some of the athletes can experience five G's on some of the turns. What? Yeah. That's equivalent to like what you get in a space shuttle. That's crazy. It's insane. <laughs> all riding down they have helmets though right yes of course okay. yeah so for skeleton you're face down head first on this little sled and basically you start with a run and then you leap onto the sled and then you just go and the way all these sports work is basically the same the same way more or less is they're timed and they're some of the most precision timing in sports it's timed down to the thousandth of a second and you make multiple runs, and you're competing for the shortest time. All of your runs are combined into a final score, and whoever has the best score at the end, which is like the shortest run time, wins. How do they get that time so precise? I'm sure. It ha- I'm sure these days it's done with some kind of like crazy sensor, you know, where it's so, just so Olympic passive. magic. Yes, Olympic magic. Okay. TM trademark. <laughs> yeah. Um. So basically. <laughs> you just run, you jump on this thing, and then you are off. And that skeleton. That skeleton, which was one of the part of the first uh, part of the first Olympics, apparently. Um, 
but then it was actually part of the first two and then just disappeared for a long time and didn't become uh, an official sport again in the Olympics until 2002. Is that because people really turned into skeletons because like, they died? <laughs> no. They flew off the no. the natty ice? <laughs> Uh, no, actually, I think what happened was it was just a, a matter of uh, a lack of different runs for it. Because hmm. in the old days, uh, it turns out like these regular sliding sports like uh, luge and skeleton were done on a separate track from what bobsled is done, was, done, is, was done on. Hmm. Nowadays, they're all done on the same track because you go insanely fast in all of them. Gotcha. So... Um, Anyways, I think that's why Skeleton feels so foreign to us in particular is because it hasn't been really on our list of official Olympic sports in basically until 2002. Hmm. So for most of the modern uh, games in our lifetimes, it wasn't part of it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so Luge is the second one. Same guy invented it. Basically, it's more or less the same thing as Skeleton, except you are uh, face up and feet first. Okay. So obviously, because you're in that position, you can't start from a run. So it starts from a push. Like you sit up and then you push off and then you lay down quickly and you're off. You're going. Huh. So, so go ahead. So is it slower times on that one? Uh, no, I mean, it's, you start? still want the shortest time. But yeah, the times are going to be a little bit longer because you're not running to get yeah, there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what's really interesting is I had no idea how you actually steer in any of these things with skeleton. You steer with your, your no, with your um, head and your shoulders. So there's no actual like, you know, levers or anything. So basically, it's like you're using your muscle to shift weight, and it pushes the the rudders or the the, you know, blades or whatever yeah. slightly. Oh, that would suck if you had an itch. Yes. And you're like, oh, and then you lost. Well, yeah, or you crash and die. I mean, that's it. Yeah. And on luge, you use your um, on luge, you use your uh, calf muscles. Ooh. So same thing, no official like levers or anything. That's weird. Yeah. Got to be super skilled. Yeah, totally, right? Can you imagine? Got to like, know your body. Yeah. Well, and you have to basically be completely tense for, what is that, like a minute and a half as you go down that track at like 80 miles an hour? Yikes. No way. No way. Um, and then bobsled, of course, which is my favorite, or bobsleigh. Yeah, I was going to. the rest of the world. I was going to say, uh. You know, I saw bobsleigh, but we yeah. always hear bobsled. Only in America do we say bobsled. Really? Yes. <sighs> We're so weird. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just one of those, you know, European uh, words that became different in the U.S. You like... know, like Santa's sled or Santa's sleigh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, bobsleigh uh, comes in uh, two-member flavor or four-member flavor flavors yeah so basically it's like is it a two two person team or a four person team okay and um you know you start by pushing this big sled or sleigh uh you push off and then you run and you jump into it and then you go down and these are controlled a little bit like similar but a little bit different where uh underneath the hood of the sled there's handles attached to ropes Mm -hmm. and the driver can push or pull on them and kind of manipulate the the skids to go one way or the other. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I know that we were, we were asking like, how do they do that? Yeah. So it's cool to know. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's interesting that it's still like so manual. It's just, it's literally like ropes with rings on it and they just pull the sled back and forth. But those things are super expensive, right? The sleds, the the sleighs around $5,000. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
You know so, what? Uh, what was kind of interesting, or not mm. interesting? <laughs> when we were watching it, yeah, I was kind of hoping, but not hoping that I would see somebody fall. Oh, that's rude. That's super rude. I was actually wasn't hoping. I was anxious. Yeah, I was anxious because when they would push off and they start running and they had all this power and you saw yeah. their muscles like just yeah. going. I was like, oh, don't fall, don't fall. I oh. know. Yeah, yeah. Or wipe out too. People die doing this stuff. Oh, do you have stats on that? Uh, I didn't look up all the uh, stats. I know, like I think I read with Luge, I think four people have died officially doing this for the Olympics. Jeez. Over the years, I don't know how many for bobsled stuff, but one was really recent. I think in uh, maybe in Salt Lake City, somebody died hmm. practicing for it. I think. Thanks. Yeah. Um, but it's always been my favorite. I really like it, probably because it's really similar to a roller coaster, which I'm obsessed with. But yes. I love these sliding sports. It is like a roller coaster. Aren't there some roller coasters that are uh, that type? The like bobsled. There used there used to be there there in the seventies and eighties. There was a really popular type. Uh, Magic Mountain had one for a while. I think I went to one in uh, Arlington. Mm, Sarajevo bobsleds. Sure, that's what they were called in Arlington uh, at Six Flags. Yeah. I, I felt that it was weird because it felt like I was just in this sh- half shoot. Yeah. And it was just rolling. With I mean, that's nothing, what it was. Nothing controlling that's it. No what it rail. Was. Yeah. Yeah. I felt that I was. Cedar die. Point had one in Ohio and they converted it to a ride called Disaster Transport. They put it inside a building and then had special effects. Ooh. Yeah. Still there? No, it's gone. Oh. Sad. Um, so we were watching some of this and the bobsled stuff mm-hmm. and. It's my favorite. You were kind of groaning about it, but I got super into it. That was cool. I, and, like I said, I got super anxious with yeah like, starting. Do you remember when we were watching uh, the women's the two woman team sport for the USA and they lost by just a couple hundredths of a second? Yeah. Well, they had they had gotten they the had gold, gotten right? the gold but and then, then like, it got stolen away at the right last after. second. Yeah. Um, by Jamaica. No, it wasn't Jamaica. Right. No. No. Who was it? It was Germany, I think. Oh. I forget. Well, Jamaica ended up winning the gold. Really? Yeah. Two women, two women team. Jamaica ended up winning the gold. What? Yeah. Which I was doing some reading on this, and really incredible for a few reasons. I mean, first of all, they're from Jamaica. No snow. That's crazy. What? Second of all, check this out. Check this out. Uh, right before the Olympics, their coach is fired or or walks out. Uh huh. And she takes their sled with them. What? Yes, like days before the Olympics start. That's damn. They're freaking out. They're panicking. They tweet that their sled is gone, and Red Stripe Beer, owned by Heineken, steps in and says, "We got you. We'll pay for a new sled for you." What? Oh, you know what? I I read something about Red Stripe and the yeah. and the sled. But yeah, that's crazy talk. Yeah, isn't that nuts? See, and then on top of those things, I think the other sports that make it just interesting is you know. Olympics is kind of becoming like X Games now. You know, there's like all these crazy speed events and there's snowboarding and half pipes and all this. And mm-hmm. uh, and what was the other one? There's another one that was new for this year. Big Air. Big Air. That's what it was. That's definitely an X Games thing. It actually is. Yeah, I know. I love the X Games. Did you? Yeah. Did you ever go to them? No. And that we're in San Francisco one year when I was younger and we didn't go. I really should have. Well, obviously not the winter ones, but the regular X Games were in San Francisco. Yeah. I used yeah. to watch them. Cool. Sometimes. It was cool. Yeah. Like didn't you didn't too. you uh, look up stuff about Big Air? I did because it was a new event. Yeah, um, what'd you find out? I wanted to know more about it besides it looking like a big old ramp that would lead to people's deaths if they didn't, <laughs> you know, properly navigate it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that thing looks scary. I know. Although um, you know what's funny is uh before you jump into this, 
the whole giant ramp thing, I was looking up the, about the, uh, you know, the ski jumpers, mm-hmm. and it always looks like they're just going hundreds of feet in the air. Mm-hmm. I looked it up that in reality, they are only like between 10 and 15 feet above the ground. Really? Yes. Uh-huh. I was like, well, that's less <laughs> impressive. I mean, it's impressive, but it's like less terrifying. Yeah. But that's not the case with Big Air. It is not the All case. All right, hit me. Um, so Big Air is, you know, the newest snowboard program added to the Winter Olympics. Yeah. It debuted this year. Um, the Big Air concept was uh, traced back to um, what's called uh, Innsbruck, Austria. Okay. Uh, back in 1994, they named it Air and Style. Ooh. So uh, the following year, uh, Big Air actually de- debuted at the Burton U.S. Uh, Open in 1995. And that's more like X Gamesy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then it, you know, a few years later, it was part of the early X Games. Yeah. And it was actually called Big Air. Yeah. Uh, the Big Air contents uh, weren't really consistently held a yeah. lot after that. And so it kind of fell off hmm. the map. Um, but they brought the X Games brought it back in 2008 for men's. Hmm. And um, let's see what else. Women's Big Air didn't make a reappearance until um, the X Games in Aspen in 2017. Hmm. You didn't really tell people what Big Air is. It's air that's big. <laughs> That's helpful. What's a giant ramp that uh, snowboarders go down, and then once they leave the ramp, then they do tricks, and they're uh, yeah. they're um, what's it called uh, they're not graded. They're yes, judged, scored. Judged. There we go. Yeah. They're scored. Yeah. They're scored on the amount of tricks and like things yeah. that they like do. like how difficult they are. Exactly, and it could be a th- so like spins or flips or just mm-hmm. all grabs or all kinds of crazy stuff mm-hmm. yeah. and landing. You know properly without yeah without touching, touching the ground, the ground. or wiping yeah. out it's crazy the big yeah. air event we watched a bunch of that too mm-hmm. mostly the nuts. women's yeah the women did really well this year yeah actually. it's very impressive yeah um but yeah i like big air i think it's really cool mm-hmm. it's super fun yeah and uh also big air isn't just for snowboards no there's also big air uh skiing I guess that makes sense. But um I guess that that portion didn't come into the Olympics. It wasn't approved. Yeah. I was reading there's a bunch of stuff that they uh I guess every Olympics they do like a I forget what they call it, but it's like basically it's like a proof of concept where they pitch a new sport mm-hmm. to be part of it and not everything gets in. Hmm. So it's interesting. Do uh they have like a snow snowball challenge? Like can you throw snowballs like X feet. Probably away. not. No. Probably not. Maybe you can pitch that next year. Uh, maybe I will. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the things I was, uh, as we kind of finished this up, was, you know, how do these things, like, how do these athletes train if you're somewhere that doesn't have snow year-round, you know? Because it's not like Scandinavia, where you've always got this cold weather all the time. Oh, like Jamaica. Yeah, Jamaica, Nigeria. I mean, South even, Africa. even the U.S. Like, a lot of the athletes from the U.S. are from, like, L.A., so it was interesting to me, like, how do they do this? And some of it, actually, most of it was like, oh, okay, that's pretty logical. So, like, speed skaters, they mm-hmm. use speed rollerblades, and they just rollerblade wherever they can. Huh. So there's, you know, there's tracks like, um, what do they call it, the velodrome that we have for the, you know, bikes, where it's like a bike track. Mm-hmm. could do the same thing on speed skates. Um, the aerial skiers that we just kind of talked about. They use these like weird um, dry hills, and then they fly off into a pool of water or a uh, or a airbag. 
What? So in Park City, Utah, they have like a big Olympic training facility that's uh-huh. for this. Uh, but yeah, it's basically like a, I don't know how they lubricate it, but it must be l- like lubricated with something. So it's mm-hmm. like a slick thing, but without snow. So I'll post a video of it in the show notes, but it's like in the summer and you go down the slick thing and then you jump into a pool of water. Funny. Yeah. Crazy. Right. Um, and then for the, uh, for the, um, what do you call it? The sliding sports. There's mm-hmm. apparently there are dry, um, push start tracks. So they make these tracks that are simulating snow and it's sort of like a concrete track with, uh, some slickness. Yeah, basically. Huh. Yeah. Or, well, they, they, they test basically what you start training with is your push off. Mm-hmm. So they have like a fake sled with uh, wheels on it. Okay. And it's built like the start of the track has like rails in it, like a railroad. Mm-hmm. And then it transitions to the concrete. But that's how they start. So there's training facilities just like this. And they have like dry tracks. Dry runs? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Funny. I wonder if that's where that term comes from. I don't know. I'll yeah. let you look that up. Yeah, that's later. <laughs> so anyways... Um, that's the Olympics. I think to wrap us up, you have some what the hell facts or what the F. What the F. Yeah, WTF, WTF facts. I do. All right. But I do want to mention something else. Oh, okay. I remember we were, we were talking about curling and you were saying how it's like super popular or whatever. Yeah. yeah. There's a curling uh, club that's out here. Oh. Did you know? No. No? Yeah. There's a, cur- a Silicon Valley curling club. Lovely. And we can go and do it for we can like I guess learn how to curl for thirty five dollars each. That, that's cool. No, not really. I tried to get us February dates, but they were closed. They were uh, sold out. I see. But March is open. I'm cool. Come get on, it. let's get go it. Sweep some get ice. It. Cool. Let's sweep ice. Uh, let's sweep you away with that nah. bad joke. No. Nah. Uh, <laughs> All right. Guess so, the, g- give me the WTF facts. Yeah. So the what the fuck facts. Yes. This was super interesting. I was trying to find... I had some things that I was going to talk about, but I just found this one, and this one just kept giving more and more and more information. All right. It's better be good. Yeah, it's real good. Okay. So did you know that there's a German prince that skated this year? Or actually, he he competed this year in the Winter Olympics. No. No? Uh, So there was. Guess what country he's... He... um, he did it for. You just said Germany. I said he was a German prince. Well, then why wouldn't it be Germany? Did well, he do it for the U.S.? He didn't do it for U.S. Okay. One more guess. Uh, I don't know. Mexico. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. That's random. So this German prince skated in the winter or uh, um, participated in the Winter Olympics under Mexico. How does this happen? Because I thought you had to be like from that country to do the thing well that's a good question so he um he was born in mexico oh yeah so he's born in mexico so he was but able then became to... a german wait wait how was he a german prince if he wasn't born in germany this is very confusing his family his lineage okay and that's even more interesting that i'll i'll talk about in a minute all right keep going so his name is i'm gonna butcher it i'm sure but hubertus von Hoch. Hohenlo. Hohenlo. Okay. Just call him Huber from now on. Okay. Huber. So, Huber, um, you know, he was born in Mexico City, so he qualifies for the dual citizenship. Yes. Uh, he's been referred to as the world's most interesting Olympian. Okay. By NBC. 
Why? I'll get to it. Okay. Uh, he's a six-time Olympic skier. He's one of the oldest competing in the Winter Olympics. He is. How old is he? I think he was fifty-eight. Oh, that's pretty old. Um, for an Olympian. Yeah. So he is an award-winning photographer, and I think he used to hang around with um, Andrew Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, he's a pop singer. What? <laughs> yeah. He's and a businessman. What? And a prince. This is definitely a WTF. Yeah, yeah. I know. I kept saying that in my head every time I read like these new other things that he did That's or weird. about him. Um, so in 2010 at the Winter Olympics, he wore a Mexican Desperado suit, race suit. What? They're they're spectacular. I want all these suits. Uh, in 2014, he had a mariachi themed one, which looked real good. What? I it. Yes. And this year, he designed a Dia de los Muertos racing suit, which looks real cool. Huh. It has a bunch of uh, Dia de los Muertos uh, skulls everywhere. Cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm pretty sure he's funding this, too. Okay. Well, um, he, he's a prince, so. Yeah. So, the prince thing. Let's yeah. get to that. So, he descended from a royal family of German principality. Okay. Um, that has not existed for over 200 years. What? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> So he's Mexican, but also comes from a German family, and he's technically a royal, even though they haven't been royalty for over 200 years. Yes. But because what? he's of that lineage, I guess he can call himself prince. What? Or he just calls himself prince. I don't know. It was it was kind of ridiculous. So yeah. would we call him would we call him the skater formerly known as Prince? Boo. Oh. No. All right. Uh, so the pop star thing, <laughs> there's more. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, he released, he's released eight albums. What? Yes. Under the names of Royal Disaster. <laughs> oh my God. Please tell me we get to listen to some of this right now. <laughs> and Andy Himalaya. Andy Himalaya. Yeah. Which are both pretty fantastic names. Okay. Hold on. We're going to listen to some of this. Hold on. Okay. Oh, countrified. What is happening? Michael. <laughs> what is happening? He's making a statement. It's electro country soul. Wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> let's let's review as we listen to this. He's Mexican. But a German prince, yes. and now he's in the U.S. in Austin singing yes. about country music and Trump. Yeah. Anti-Trump. Yes. Because, he, you know, his Mexican roots. This is he's making the a most commentary. confusing thing I have ever heard of. He's making a commentary on the U.S. president's uh, remarks and oh stuff. Oh, my God. Oh, that is enough of that. Okay, thank you for uh, putting that into my life forever. Can we listen to these other songs? Oh, my God. Hochenloch. Okay. Hochenloch. That's what he goes by. Hochenloch. Yeah. Uh, which song should we listen to? The fun beaty one. Oh, okay. Hold on. Let me look at that up. I think you mean this one. Yes. Royal Royal Disaster. disaster. Walk through the city, no one knows back 
definitely going to download this. Oh, stat. good lord. All right. That's enough of that. Wow. So, yeah, that was the WTF fact that just kept having more and more WTF Lovely. Facts. Thank you so much for bringing this to my attention. You're welcome. Oh, my God. Was that all for your WTF facts? Yeah, I just wanted to focus on right. that one. I mean, that was good. Those were definitely WTF. Hubertus so. von Hohenloch. Yeah. yeah. Showing off his Mexican heritage. Yes, with German royalty in Austin. It's so confusing. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, this was fun, kind of learning a little bit more about the Olympics. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, I didn't really know much about the Winter Olympics other than it happened every once in a while. Me neither. And it was cold. Yeah. And we got through this entire thing without mentioning Tanya Harding or Christy Yamaguchi or any of those people. You just said, said that, right? I now. know, but we didn't up until now. Uh, Basically, you have to I'm go saying, see I know. Tanya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. One of these days. Actually, would you want to do uh, the two-man bobsled? Yeah? Yeah? Uh, no. You could be the pusher. You have big thighs. Uh, no. Come on. No. Mm. No, it's too dangerous. <laughs> no, it's not. Yes, it is. You said only a few people died. A few could be you. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways. All right. Well, before we wrap it up, I have one correction to make Ooh. from last week. What did you screw up? Uh, just one small thing. <laughs> when we were talking about uh, how to get away with murder, I called her Elise Keating. And then uh, <laughs> after we wrapped up, I realized that's the mom from Family Ties. Yeah. It's Annalise Keating on uh, how to get away with Elise murder. Keaton. Keaton. Yeah. So Annalise. So Annalise Keating, not Elise Keating. All right. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Woohoo! Uh, music for the show is by Adi Goldstein and Dimitri Banoff. And our opening vocal is by Chad Gonselmo. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, everybody, for listening, liking, subscribing, all that stuff. Please leave us a note on Facebook if you like us. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. So uh, we'll talk to y'all later. Yeah. Next week. Next week. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.